This is the Inside Cloud Channel podcast. I'm your host, Segert van der Linden. We've just started a new mini-series on Microsoft Azure. In five episodes, we'll discuss the WEF, the Well-Architected Framework. In the first episode, we learned that the WEF is Microsoft's guideline to help you assess your cloud architecture. Today, we'll be talking about step two, operational excellence. And by we, I mean myself and insights, Carlo Caravaglia and Jurjen Uitenbogaard. Hi, guys. Hi, Jacob. Good afternoon. Hello. Welcome again. Operational excellence. That sounds lofty, like something unreachable, but what does it really mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It sounds like something that is unreachable, unreachable. Um, but I think it depends on, on you know, where you put your, uh, your goal, because uh, what's perfect, you know, what is operational excellence? I think um, it's, it's a process, you know, operational excellence, which keeps your applications and your processes uh, running in production and um, try to make them as reliable and efficient as possible. I think that that summarizes it for a big chunk. So it's 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 a bit like monitoring how uh, everything runs and everything goes and adjusting that when needed. Yeah, it's, I think it's 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 more than that. I think it's um, it's not only making sure that things are running, but it's also um, in a broader perspective. So uh, if you have applications and workloads running, for example, Azure Virtual uh, Desktop, you know, we have covered that uh, in, in previous podcasts in the past. Um, at a certain moment, you want to automate things. You know, you don't want to do everything uh, manually, which consumes a lot of time and which increases the uh, possibility of making mistakes. So uh, also, uh, you know, testing, uh, automation, uh, monitoring, uh, design, that's all part of the uh, operational excellence. So you have there are different uh, sub pillars within the pillar operational excellence. Yeah, yeah. So okay, let, let's let's take applications for example. Um, they're never or let's say almost never perfect from the start. So how then do you create an environment where you can make those apps as good as Possible. Well, to, to answer the first part, maybe some devs have to say about the not perfect at the start because they're always perfect when they're babies. <laughs> but let's say that the yeah, in this case, the uh, the concept of operational excellence above an application is, from broader perspective, to have a frictionless and smoother process as possible when you handle and build and develop your application. And in specific for application is also the way uh, you build the, the, the tool, the framework that you want to use. Um, I just use an example and you will hear me do a lot of examples because yeah, I like example. Um, <clears throat> nesting a, a legacy monolithic application that does a lot of services then on the first instance, well, it's not really a smart build because when the application goes down, all the service goes down. And then every time someone needs to, some, to change something, um, that person always prays some different types of gods in order to be sure that nothing happened to the whole application. And it's always tricky when you do stuff like that. So a smart way uh, to also in, 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 let's say, in the WAF 
uh, uh, logic to approach also an existing monolithic application is to have that application uh, fragmented in different workloads or different containerization using like containers, Docker, Kubernetes, uh, or whatever you want to use. Um, let's, let's take an example. There was this application, monolithic application for an uh, online company that was taking the management of uh, the ticketing, the booking, uh, the luggage monitoring, and et cetera, all in a single application. Heavy, tough, um, uh, 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 everyone was praying when changing something, and if something was going down, the whole application was going down, all the service was going down. Applying a smart way, you have all the single services splitted in different containerization services, so each service leaves its own life, and if one specific service drops, the other services continue to work. Or if there is a, a particular spike in usage of one service, that service builds up automatically more containers, and the other services say the same. So also you optimize costs. So also a topic we discussed the previous uh, podcast. Um, so in this way, you build a smart application, more light, more easy to interact with also from the dev uh, perspective. And also these actually simplify the life for the dev because also if we look at databases, not one database fit all. So you might have different types of databases for different uh, uh, workloads, you SQL database, uh, uh, NoSQL, uh, MariaDB, and et cetera. So with this containerization of the different workloads, you can also apply the best fit database for each workload. So you have this kind of uh, approach that helps you to uh, have the application uh, built uh, better and smarter and also allow to have a smoother interaction also in the dev perspective with this application because you just need to, ch to change and work on the specific, uh, let's say, containerized, containerized uh, workload instead to have to touch the whole application yeah but um when, when i hear you saying that and you said you have to change some things it requires a certain i think a certain mindset or a certain uh workflow for 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 end users um that's not easy to get by sometimes uh, they have to be willing to change and willing to to change things they've maybe changed two weeks earlier and maybe changed a few weeks before that also. Um, is it something end users are aware of or yeah, good at? Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of end users that are not that familiar with the Azure platform itself. They have it managed by, uh, well, by mostly our customers, by our partners, our, our resellers or our indirect, uh, uh, you know, within the channel. Um, but a lot of, a lot of big end customers and also an increasing amount of end customers, they, they start to uh, follow the principle that Carlo was just uh, explaining around, you know, not creating one monster of an application. Well, together, all those microservices, they create a, a monster of an application, um, but they are all separate microservices. And if you, if you design the application with um, in mind that things will go wrong because in the end it's IT, right? So uh, things will go wrong. Um, then in order to design it in that way that it uh, has the least impact on the on the other services and that the whole service as a whole can uh, can continue to work. Um, it's it's, it's uh, an increasing amount of end customers and end users that start to, uh, to adopt that approach. Uh, but a lot of them, they're, they're not even thinking in that way. 
No, they think because we, they have an application which they are used to use for, for years already. Um, and that's it's vital to their organization. So it, it has some impact also. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a whole new way, I think, for a lot of companies of looking at at things of looking looking at, at at applications for example and what you say uh they they've got software running for years now and it's always running and it's running well except when maybe there's downtime once a year but um, except for that uh, besides that it's running well and now they have to go into some new yeah way of working of a uh, testing adjusting running test amount it, it it's 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 a different uh workflow i think from having an on-prem uh application or data center yes and no because still when you think about legacy application building well in theory of course uh, uh developers uh build the code they have yeah they should have exactly in mind what is the destination uh, uh build the code and test if if it's working then continue to build the next phase and test again etc that's just the the normal uh recursive inter interaction you do in the deployment but maybe uh with the um uh also the the the, the WAF, you can have a, a smarter and better way also in cost perspective to optimize this operation because i'm talking about for example uh, azure devops uh, with pipeline in azure devops you can have you can have automation in all this kind of procedure so you can also reduce at minimum the human error because building this kind of automation pipes it's allow you to have uh, proper flows, proper procedures, proper way to build, test, uh, develop, build, test the codes. And also expanding a little bit, um, the management, let's say, of the company can have a better cost because also you can define better what are the uh, constraint and limitation, the, the, the sandbox of the DevOps where they can then test uh, the code and the application, and like the example I did in the last podcast, not create a native core SQL Enterprise Azure, and just be in their sandbox to play to play with the uh, uh, with the code and the application. So you have also this kind of uh, new way of thinking, which in some sort is not totally disruptive because uh, maybe if people still think about the Microsoft of six, seven, eight, up to ten years ago, where it was absolutely uh, closed source, not open source at all. Now it's really open. Actually, Microsoft provide the right support for open source protocols so they can use Terraform, Jenkins, or whatever uh, DevOps tool uh, they want to use, integrated with the DevOps logic so they can still use the same tools they use today or they use yesterday, implemented, embedded in this new smart way of uh, operating them. And this is also important because a topic that really people touch is about people itself, is about adoption. Sometimes you can show the best technology out there possible, maybe for free, just the best way they can use. But people will not use that just because they use to use what they're using today. So they do not want to change. So that's a really another important topic uh, to be able to also make people change and adopt, embrace these changes. 
Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that in our uh, uh, CAF series on our series on the cloud adoption framework. I believe it was episode nine is about uh, getting your organization to adopt those new principles of, of the cloud. Good memory. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, also, where we've we've talked about in our CAF series, automation—a term uh, that that I've heard uh, through this episode a few times. When I'm listening to to you both, I think managing your cloud uh, environment is is key in uh, striving for operational excellence. It's it's important. Um, what are some maybe two or three best practices for good cloud management? Um, that's a good question. I don't think there are uh, two of the best practices or the best recommendations, but um, I think it starts with, if you ask me, and, and as you, the audience might know, I'm not an, I'm not an architect, um, but what I know from experience I can say is that you always have to design with the end in mind. So, you know, if you, if, if you're desired, and, I, and I'll look at it from a commercial uh, and a business side of things. If your desired business outcome is that you would have to be more resilient or that you should be more efficient, so cheaper, or that you want to have specific features available to your customers or experiences by using and adopting the public cloud, because that's, you know, that's, that's the start of things, then you have to, uh, in all the other steps that follow on that decision that you want to use the adoption, uh, want to use the public cloud for achieving that desired business outcome, because it's a dynamic process with different steps, you always have to take in mind: okay, how am I going to keep track of what I want to uh, what I want to achieve? You know, it's the same as you if you if you want to. Uh, learn to, to run a marathon or you want to you put as a goal that you want to run a marathon within three hours you know on the way to your goal you're going to measure specific things you know where am i in this stage uh, what what goes wrong what did i do do uh, do right or what do i did i do wrong uh, what if i use this what's the uh, you know a different nutrition or a different uh, uh, gear that you're wearing you know you have to manage and to monitor afterwards after you have made the decision whether you're still on on track in order to run that marathon within three hours, and that's the same with 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 infrastructure and with resources and applications. You know, you have to monitor whether it's performing the way you had in mind, whether it's bringing you to uh, to the goal in the end. So, is there a few best practices? Uh, yeah, designed with uh, monitoring in in mind. So uh, if you make a calculation on AVD or on a SQL database, put a monitor there, you know, make sure that you are able to look in, uh, in the future and uh, look back in the, in the past, how it performed. Did it do what, what you wanted to do? It's maybe a bit of a cheesy summary, but I get the feeling that operational excellence, it's like a, it's a mindset. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Because it's a guideline, you know, the WEF is a guideline. And in the, within the guideline, there are specific assessments, there are specific tools, uh, you know, that are static that you can use in order to, uh, to measure things or to assess things. Um, but the way of, you know, a, a DevOps approach or uh, doing testing, it, in the end, it's people who have to, uh, who have to perform it. So if, if, if you don't embrace that, if you don't design things with that in mind, it will go wrong. 
You've been listening to the Inside Cloud Channel podcast. I'm your host, Segert van der Linden. In this five-part mini-series, we're covering the five pillars of the WEF, or Well-Architected Framework. In the next episode, we'll discuss step three, performance efficiency. Once again, I'll be joined by Insights, Carlo Caravaglia and Jurjen Uitenbogaert. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or any other podcast platform. You want to know more about Insight and its services? That's all on Insight.com. Thank you for listening and hopefully you'll join us once more in the next episode.